next scary movie. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome back to the Jumping Scared Podcast. In case you forgot, my name's Alex, and I'm joined almost as always by my co-host, Eric. Um, just felt the need to get back in the booth today to wish a very happy 73rd birthday to Stephen King and shout out uh, a little bit of a cult classic 80s uh, horror movie in Silver Bullet, which is based off a Stephen King novella. Eric, uh, how are you feeling? This has been a long time coming. I'm, I'm glad to be back in the booth. Yeah, it feels good. It feels like we almost never left, even though it's been several months at this point. And we couldn't think of a better better reason to come back uh, as big of fans of Stephen King as we are on this podcast to come back with his birthday on a movie slash book that probably not a lot of people uh, are familiar with. So hopefully we can uh, shed some shed some light on a movie that potentially is deserving of more eyes, TBD, based on the remainder of this podcast. Yeah, so this is going to be a little bit of an immediate review reaction. Uh, I don't think we're going to go into spoilers very much. It's not going to be like a plot breakdown, but we're just going to talk about the movie. I'll talk about the book a little bit. So this is one I read um, probably about two years ago. So Silver Bullet 1985 is our movie, and it's based off Cycle of the Werewolf, um, which... You know, I obviously should have pulled up the year on that, but it was obviously a couple of years before that. I think it was early 80s for Stephen King, um, and it was a fun one. It's a pretty short read, and it jumps around perspective a lot, and it's a little bit of a whodunit with a werewolf element. So that's that's pretty fun, and it's Stephen King doing Stephen King best with you know, building a town with very imperfect people and creating some sort of antagonistic horror to really, you know, hit them extra hard. You know, you see it in Salem's Lot, you see it in Under the Dome, you see it in The Stand. So that, this is Stephen King at his finest. And uh, this is a fun movie because Stephen King actually did the screenplay for it. So he was very involved in the filmmaking process. And uh, I think it's a cool way to celebrate his birthday. I was waiting for the classic old school Stephen King cameo, but we did not get it. We in this didn't. One. Yeah, I would have liked to see that. I, it would have been easy. You know, they had a couple scenes like in a pub with some people arguing, like just throw Stephen King, even if you don't even give him a line, or just give him a quick, easy line. Well, to be fair, we didn't verify on IMDb if we somehow missed it. He potentially could have been in it, but we just neither of us caught it. That so. is true. I think I would have recognized him. I'd be yeah. surprised. And just looking at the top build cast, I think he would have probably be. They would probably include him, even if it's like a one-off. So, um, yeah, this was this was a movie I didn't have too many expectations on. I'd kind of heard decent things, and I, I liked the book, like I said. Um, and you know what? All I'm gonna say is I had fun with it. Uh, it definitely had some Stephen King dialogue. There's some some stuff that maybe doesn't age so well from the '80s. Uh, just kind of goofy, silly dialogue, especially between our protagonist Marty and his sister. But it's an overall fun ride, and I think it's uh, you know kind of brings back those. Those Goonies, those Lost Boys, especially with Corey Haim vibes, just the kind of you know childhood adventure that you got in the '80s, where you don't really see goofy kids movies as much. You know, I, I think this is like a really good blast to the past. Yeah, these are movies um, that are just have fun to or easy to have fun with. Like you mentioned, the whodunit aspect, the kids. It's just you're along for the ride. It doesn't necessarily need to be like the most unique, but it's just fun. It's fun to be a part of. You can feel like you're. Uh, you throw yourself in that kid's shoes, like picture you those, all those uh, imaginary scenarios you played as a kid on uh, cops and robbers and wild, wild west shootouts. Just imagine yourself in this situation, how much, how much uh, excitement that could bring you. Yeah, and, and this is also one that, so, so surprisingly, actually, I think 
you know, they had more information that was in the book. The book was so short. It was really like a novella. I think I read it in about like an hour or so. Um, so the movie kind of fleshed out some of the characters a bit more and kind of, you know, added a lot of suspense and a lot of the kind of slow horror scenes with um, our werewolf kind of, you know, going after its prey, I think were definitely fleshed out. So that was definitely, a, you know, a, cre a creation for the movie. And I think it, it did a pretty good job, I think, building suspense and terror. I mean, sometimes it was a little too silly because some of our victims were over the top, ridiculous, um, you know, very like rednecky, over the top, like cheering for wrestling and drinking your beers. So I think, uh, you know, some of our early victims weren't super sympathetic. But I think uh, our main character in Marty was very likable. You know, he's a paraplegic boy who you know he doesn't let that get him down and he's got an uncle who really likes him and he builds him this silver bullet speed racer and i think it's just kind of a fun main cast to follow yeah as i was watching this movie i couldn't help but compare it and combine it with two movies it just felt like rear window meets um fright night mm, i i like that <laughs> i like that combination a lot and we'll talk about why it's specifically fright night i think it's like there's several direct parallels to Fright Night, which we'll discuss in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and so I also wanted to touch on the immediate kind of opening scenes with the town. It, I, I immediately said that Eric, like, this kind of gives me it miniseries vibe. So they're about five years apart and just maybe the setting and style it really felt like that it miniseries. I think this one kind of changed tone pretty quickly. And I think I would say this one was, I don't know what the right word is. I was going to say a little bit more horrific, a little darker. We definitely see some gore and we see some violence, which I don't really think we saw in the it miniseries very much. I think, um, you know, our opening scene, I mean, this isn't really a spoiler, but we see a decapitation and you, you actually get some like blood and gore from it. So I think this movie definitely has a, a bit more of a, a darker side than I would say the lighter you know it miniseries which was an abc i actually think i disagree with you completely here oh okay and the reason i do it is because of there's so much more implication behind the villain in the it miniseries mm, and funny. it's not just like so the where the whole thing with like a werewolf as your main villain it's pretty much just like a physical scare like you see him and you're scared of what he can do like physically to you yeah you, but it was so much more psychological especially attacking those children at their young developmental stages where they don't know what's real and what's not that's where the horror comes in and, and i would I, they're different and i would just say i wouldn't necessarily agree with how you classify that i think that's fair but i would say that i i definitely liked the early stages of the movie where the town is just like in complete terror and they don't know what's happening they assume it's like this psycho deranged person obviously you're not going to dissipate like oh there's a werewolf terrorizing us so i think you see like the the town starting to like shutter in they're like running into their house like frantically trying to open their doors even in, the, in broad daylight so i kind of like that where it was just like this menacing unknown figure is really, you know, influencing this town. Yeah, it made me think of the SpongeBob episode about the Alaskan bullworm when Patrick <laughs> Patrick's in the bar and says, "Let's take the town and move it over there." Yeah, some of my favorite scenes were those bar arguments where you just had like the townsfolk who are like pro vigilante trying to, you know, fight against the ones who aren't, and then they're just like having really funny arguments. It's like, if you don't shut your mouth, I'm coming over there and shutting it for you. Yeah, you couldn't catch a cold. <laughs> yeah, so it was, um, it was, it was fun times, and you know, overall, I'd say I, I enjoyed this movie it, it's sitting at a 6.4 on imdb ah, that feels pretty close to me i'd give it a little bit over i'd probably give it like right around a 6.0 i mean it's not it's not groundbreaking i think uh gary Busey is over the top at times in terms of just kind of silliness but i think he kind of actually played a nice little role here and i, I think say, it was enjoyable i'd say it's definitely towards the lower end of the gary Busey scale as far as ridiculousness goes well i mean he's, it's it's like it's i, I would assume it's 
the edge of the scale and it only goes up from yeah. here. Yeah, so. like Gary Busey's operating at a normal 10, but this is probably like a two or three Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think honestly I'd give it around a six. I think it was pretty enjoyable and I, I, I have fond memories of the book and it kind of brought me back into it. So I definitely, I thought it was a solid movie. You know, I think probably doesn't hold up super well these days, at least in terms of some of the elements, but I thought it was fun at the very least. And I think it's a, you know, October is just around the corner. I think this would be a great October movie if you're trying to kind of change things up, especially if you're watching a lot of newer kind of, you know, psychological or even just kind of paranormal. I think this is a fun, nice break, just a clean, you know, kind of creature feature and, and you know what you're getting, but it's, I think, a pretty pretty good time. Yeah, and honestly, um, we're as a horror sphere, especially nowadays where basically every genre has been fleshed out massively, uh, good werewolf movies are kind of hard to come by. I mean, you've got the American Werewolf in London and it's a classic, but besides that, um, it's kind of um, off the road, uh, hidden gems you got to look for, but it's, I mean, vampires... They really took over, especially in the last 15 years. So werewolves haven't really necessarily gotten their justice. So if you're looking for an oldie that uh, focuses on a uh, creature that we don't get too much lore on besides the simple stuff that you're all aware of, this is definitely one to attack for that. Yeah. So it would, you, would you say similar rating, Eric? Somewhere around a six? Yeah, I would probably give it a six one. Okay, so yeah, we're both uh, right around six. So I think that's a that's a soft recommendation. Not like stop everything and watch it, but I think you know if you haven't seen this before, throw it on your October list. That's my, that's my overall say. Yeah, I would agree with that. Cool, and I, I do want to take a little bit of time. Obviously, this is a very quick episode. We're just um, we're doing this right after watching the movie. Um, we're getting a you know Eric's bedtime is is quickly approaching, and he was he's lamenting having to strip away some bedtime already. It's not approaching; it's been crossed. The threshold <laughs> has been crossed, and at, at this point, my. Uh, I'm only getting worse, my functionality tomorrow. Yeah, so. his, his patience is just, you know, dwindling. His irritation is growing. He's, he's going to be a, a, just a grump soon, and we're just trying to get through as, as fast as we can, can to avoid that. You don't want to hear grumpy Eric on the podcast. It's, it's not actually a patience thing. It's more of I understand what it's going to be like tomorrow when I'm a little sleepy around <laughs> 1 p.m. and it gets kind of warm upstairs in my quote-unquote office, and I have to make the decision to either power through that's option A. B is drink coffee at one o'clock, which I don't like doing. Or C is take a nap on my floor, which is what I did this <laughs> today. So <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that for uh, the many ethical reasons involved of stealing company time by taking a nap in the afternoon. <laughs> um, all right, Eric. Well, before we get off tonight, I do want to spend a few minutes just kind of talking about Stephen King. So this podcast partially, you know, partially came to mind for me because it is his 73rd birthday. And uh, I think it's just a good time to you know appreciate all of the the books, the movies, the TV shows, everything he's inspired, and even like adjacent things like you have a media like Stranger Things and a lot of other things that you can just pull direct ties from Stephen King. Like if he's not, if Stephen King doesn't exist, we're just really missing a lot of popular culture because he has such a huge sphere of influence. And um, obviously, for me, I, I talk nonstop about Stephen King. I'm currently on about to start my 50th book of his so i'm a huge fan and uh you know the the prolificness and the overall quality i think he has like it's it's pretty unparalleled and i think as horror fans we're truly lucky to be living in you know a current renaissance of king where he's really truly you know truly getting appreciated he's had so many adaptations and it's just been a 
really fun to experience. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Stephen King. Just you know, take a time, take a little moment to appreciate him. He's he's getting a little bit older. You know, I think the books are going to slowly start. You know, every other year, every three years, I think he's only got a few left, and it's just being realistic. And I'm going to appreciate every one. So just taking some time. Yeah, and even if you're not necessarily a huge Stephen King fan, I think at the very least you have to recognize just the sheer amount of work he's put out. Um, so at this point, is the novels and short stories are just almost uncountable at this point. He is officially the author with the most adapted work um, as screenplays. And is he? Movies, I guess, I, okay, I guess that makes sense. I, I, I didn't. I had, had never heard that, but it doesn't shock me with the, the individual amount of stories he's. I mean, because he has a lot of adaptations from short stories, even or like collaborations, and not just books. So. And and while we're on the topic of old recommendations, this is a good one that I um, hadn't seen until recently. I watched it. Um, it's a, so it's a Stephen King work and directed by uh, the late great George Romero, and that was Creep Show, and um, it's a fun three I think a three part kind of anthology. Um, that is, uh, it's a good watch and it's like a nice relic of the '80s, and it'll put you in that that good mood if you're in that kind of kind of trope. So yeah, so that's that's one. This is kind of how I was saying like, oh, this is a great one to throw on your October list. I actually haven't seen Creep Show and I've wanted to, so that's definitely going to be on my radar to include in my October watch list. And you know, we're um, I'm I'm really happy to be back in the booth. So I, we definitely have some ideas for October, and we're gonna you know be coming back here. But this this felt like a nice night just to jump on for a real quick one, do a quick movie um, review rating recommendation. I guess we don't have much recommendations right now, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of quiet for current horror releases. It's been tough due to COVID with the, the shortened theater, especially summer theater scene. Um, and then just also that kind of taking over the news sphere and dominating um, kind of talking points. It's been uh, tough kind of across the board. It's not just horror, but all movies and TV has been kind of a kind of a weird year for it. So um, uh, we've still got our ears to the ears to the grindstone. Yeah. Keep hoping to keep you guys uh Haunting of Bly Manor coming out this year still, I believe. I believe it's early or very late 2020. Yes. So that and, is one we're thrilled about. Very excited. And another Stephen King work in The Stand. On, yes. Which is on what network? It's going to be CBS All Access, yeah. which sounds bad. <laughs> Just saying it. Um, I think they've had hit or miss kind of stuff, but... To me, honestly, I, I don't have that much experience. If I hear CBS All Access, I'm like, ooh, I wish it was like a HBO or a Showtime or something like that. Um, and it's also kind of weird because Amber Heard is playing one of the b- biggest characters, and she is has been getting dog walked by everybody in the media which, for being a fair, terrible yeah, person. Which is fair, and I think they're at the point where they can't realistically recast and reshoot. So I think it's just going to be a situation where this is the character. It's, it, I mean, to be fair, it, she's like one of the most important characters. But she also, the character does not come across well. So I mean, maybe True. people will be like, "Oh, well, she's getting her, you know, comeuppance or something." You're yeah. like, at if, least something's if, if the director wanted to do a do a, do her dirty like and maybe go a slightly off script they could do that without like ruining the integrity of the story yeah because she's an important character but like not one, I, I would i would completely disagree that she's one of the most important i think she's top five no yeah I, i'm certainly not her her plight is the most unique maybe i mean she definitely has a unique 
character arc because she's kind of this in-betweener who yeah. is being drawn towards one side but yeah we're getting yeah, a little bit off topic i think the stand <laughs> unfortunately is still not coming out till 2021 oh, I, I still heard 2020 i think it's 2021 i could be wrong mm-hmm. i don't think i don't know if there's a hard date yet so i think it's still just kind of like whispers in the wind we did get a teaser trailer um i actually kind of was happy to see Whoopi goldberg looked kind of good abigail Fremantle. i was a little worried because like at this point Whoopi goldberg is just kind of Whoopi goldberg sometimes i, I kind of couldn't picture her just in a character role anymore i just picture Whoopi goldberg I mean, she's one of those actresses like if i see the rock in a movie I, i'm just kind of seeing the rock i'm not really seeing a character there's just certain people it's hard for me to really you know wrap my head around as a, a real kind of important character so i think she looked great and i think there were some really promising bits from that trailer and even if it's bad i'm gonna watch it and talk about it being bad so i'm, I'm still excited for it yeah no matter no matter how bad an adaptation is i always prefer to see it and compare it with the one that i made in my mind to see how it holds up usually doesn't hold up as well there's been a few instances where uh the director did a better job than my mind does which is <laughs> that's saying a lot because you guys know i've got disgustingly impeccable taste yep um eric so i think it's a good stopping point uh had fun with silver bullet tonight and gave us a good jumping off point to talk stephen king a little bit future horror and just kind of plans for the podcast so uh, i'm glad that we got this in and uh for all you horror fans we'll see you soon Thanks for tuning in to the Jumping Scared Podcast. Have any questions, comments, just want to share your horror movie opinions with us? Feel free to reach us at jumpingscared at gmail.com. See you next episode.